Welcome to the first episode of the Reality of Obesity podcast. This series of podcasts delved into the major topics surrounding obesity. Our main aim is to empower and provide information to people living with obesity by raising awareness and unpacking the psychological factors and stigma associated with it. We'll be giving people a voice and where relevant, supporting people to gain access to the healthcare that is right for them. I'm Sarah LeBrock and I'll be your host this series. I'm someone that lives with obesity and I'm also the director of Obesity UK. So I have that lived experience of understanding what it's like to lose a significant amount of weight and put it back on again. And this kind of got me thinking as to why does this happen? And with me today, I have some fantastic people. So I have Del, Babs, Lee and Natalie. In this first episode, we will hear their perspectives of living with obesity, their experiences of healthcare and their quality of life. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Hi. Thank you. Hello. So we'd love to hear a little bit more about your individual stories and to understand what it is like for you living with obesity. So, Del, would you like to go first? But of course, Sarah. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) So, okay, my name is Del Singh. In my late 50s, and I effectively have lived with obesity for a good number of years. I believe a lot of it is to do with the combination of nature and nurture. Members of my family have been quite large, so I believe there's there was some degree of genetic predisposition to being larger. But then over the years, I've maybe had a lifestyle that was quite sedentary and inactive, which didn't help. My weight rose and my health failed as I kind of like sort of progressed. And about six years ago, I was around 52 years of age, I was diagnosed being type 2 diabetic, had a lot of issues with health. So I took it upon myself to do something. I uh, opted to go with a gastric surgery route. I paid for gastric surgery privately um, and... Uh, effectively went with a, a thing called a gastric sleeve procedure, which saw me lose uh, around uh, 10 stone, about 65 kilograms in 12-month period, and make some big changes to my life. And the biggest changes I think that were made were six years on is that I've pretty much kept most of that weight off. But the most important changes for me are that I've adopted a more healthier lifestyle of uh, running, being more physically active. I'm just recovering from COVID-19 at the moment. My lung capacity is slightly diminished, but it's, I, I have a feeling that my recovery from COVID was certainly helped by the fact that I've actually got runner's lungs um, and runner's legs and a, a face for radio. So there you go. That's me. <laughs> I wouldn't say that, Del. I wouldn't say that. You're too generous. <laughs> well, thank you for that. And thank you for the insight. And I'm sorry to hear that you've been um, you know, suffering with COVID. It's one of those... Um, it's a unprecedented times at the moment that we're all going through. Um, and yeah, I, luckily you've made it through. So that's the positive thing here. So yeah, Natalie, would you like to go next? Yeah, okay. So my story is similar to Dell's in that I was, um, you know, obese since childhood. Apparently the midwives told my mum that I was too too big as a baby. And I was, um, but that's just something that I've always had to deal with. But I definitely think that the labels given to me in childhood has meant that as I've got older, I've got bigger. So with every year, of my age, I gained stone. So when I was eight, I was eight stone, nine, I was nine stone. And I was taken to Weight Watchers and Slimming World, and you know, as a child. So, um, but obviously none of those worked. So I reached a peak at, um, with a BMI of about 55. I was getting up to 22 stone and I'm five foot tall. And um, like Dell, I decided to have a gastric sleeve. I didn't go down the UK route. I actually went to uh, Turkey and had it done there. Um, I tried to get it on the NHS, um, but unfortunately, the hoops you've got to go through, and it's such a long process, 
that I just, you know, I did it. But uh, so I did that back in October of last year and I've lost three and a half stones so far. But prior to that, I'd actually lost four stone uh, by doing a sort of low carb keto diet. So, so far I'm just over seven stone down and I've got, I've got a bit to go. But definitely that decision to have weight loss surgery there's a lot of stigma attached to that as well. So it's not something that I've told my friends and I've told close family members, but but that's it. You know, they don't even know at work. Well, thank you so much for sharing that. Now we'll go, we'll go boy, girl, boy, girl. So over to you, Lee. Same, same again as the other two people. I've always started, I've always been big. As I've got older, I've just got heavier and heavier. Um, brought up in a big family. Um I think we've all got the same kind of association with food and and how we deal with it on a day-to-day basis. Um, As the years have gone on, I've just kind of kind of brushed it under the carpet and not not really, um, it's not really affected my life so much. I've I've always been able to do everything, but, but over the last couple of years, it's just got to the point where it has got to the extent where something drastic needed to, to happen before something really bad happened to me or to me. Um, a few years ago, I was on a, a programme called BCA to Save My Life, where I lost 12 stone in about 12 months. And that was an incredible part of my life, really. The training and the diet was there, but they never... They never started looking into the psychological side of things. It was you was either at work prepping your meals or in the gym, and it was as simple as that for twelve months. I hardly got to see my family over that time period. Uh, so then, when the filming stopped, it just cut, and that was it. I just I, I tried to get an happy medium then, and I couldn't do it. it I, I don't I don't see myself as being depressed, but I think my weight does get me down. And it and it just made it's a, it's just a circle really. So I have made the decision that and got in touch and that I'm going to have um, the sleeve fitted, bariatric sleeve. Um, I was supposed to have it done on the third of January. I've gone private. I tried to do it through the NHS, but it was just ridiculous. Like you said, the amount of hoops that you have to jump through, and so we decided to spend the money because it, hopefully it's going to change my life. Thank you for sharing that. And then over to you, Babs. Hi. <laughs> well, like the others, I have been living with obesity since I was very young. Um, parents split up when I was six, unhappy childhood. And so um, food became my comfort, became a secret eater um, from probably the age of about eight. used to take myself off places and munch on sort of high sugar high fat foods that's basically how how my weight sort of started creeping on from an early age then at the age of 12 that's when I started um, my first off I went to Slimming World and tried every diet possible since you know you go on a diet you you fail feel a complete failure you then sort of stuff a bit of food down to make you feel better and so that sort of cycle begins and I haven't been able to come off of it <laughs> as yet. Okay, well, just to share a little bit about my kind of story with this as well, very similar to to kind of um, you guys and what you've kind of said already. But um, I think for me, 
my journey kind of was triggered by um, a trauma. Um, so when I was nine, my granny died in a car crash on the way to coming to pick me up from school. And I have blamed myself for her death ever since. And I think as a way of blaming myself and punishing myself, I have kept um, kind of used fat as my protection um, and feel like it's kind of, yeah, not allowing people to see the real Sarah because she doesn't deserve to be out because of what, you know, in my head I did, as in it, I was born. So had had I not been born, my granny wouldn't have been coming to pick me up from school and therefore she'd still be alive. Yeah, crazy. And rationally, I know that doesn't make sense. But my subconscious, that is how I feel, think and breathe every day. Um, and despite having a lot of kind of counselling and, and work in this space, you know, trying to change my thinking, it's still there. Um, and I think that's where I have struggled with kind of when I have lost weight successfully during, um, like Lee, um, I was on a weight loss TV show um, and lost a significant amount of weight on that. Um, and then I've tried lots of, you know, various diets and lost significant weight on those previously as well. But, you know, the weight has always gone back on. And I know it's not just down to the way I think and feel it will, there's an element of genetics and kind of, you know, um, the social factors and all those kind of environmental factors and all the other things that we know. I do think the way I think about myself plays a huge part in this too. How is it impacting your life now? Like, how do you feel during this this um, pandemic and the um, coronavirus? I do remember when Boris Johnson started talking about how obesity was, you know, a large factor in how, um, you know, people either caught the virus or how we responded to the virus, you know, how ill we got. And then there was the big hoo-ha about, you know, he was going to, you know, get the nation slim and healthy. And I, I at the time, felt attacked. <laughs> I felt like there's enough, there's enough stigma about being obese without, uh, without the media and the government jumping on that as well. Yeah, I totally agree. Because I, I honestly think that, um, I think that by associating obesity and people over a certain age um i think it's just made the rest of the country that aren't within them groups think it's never going to happen to them i mean i i was already working from home for a while so that wasn't so much of an issue for me what did concern me obviously was that i was shielding my mother who was an elderly person and so being extra careful I was very grateful for the fact that during the first lockdown, we had the ability to get outside and do a bit of exercise. And the fact I like running was great. And I think that actually really helped my mental state. But then as, as things progressed, we began to realize, I think, as others have mentioned here, was that we were now beginning to find that they they found out more about the virus, susceptibility to it. So, for example, age was obviously one of those big criteria. Size and health when it came to BMI, obesity was another. And then for people like myself, ethnicity played a part in it as well because some of us were more sensible. You know, we began to feel that there was a lot of pressure put on us. And I, in fact, I did think probably up to Christmas time, you know, you know, I'd done really well to avoid all of this. And then maybe it's one of those things where, I, you know, I went to the dentist, which I, unfortunately, it was the one thing, the one time I kind of had to go out of the house to go for a, a, a filling, a cavity. And within a day or so, I'd actually picked this thing up. And as I said, you know, at the start here, it, it's been a really, really rough ride and a rough journey. I do think, though, that sort of, you know, being physically and mentally stronger allows you to better cope with this and so you know i would say if you you're in a better place mentally and 
from a uh, you know from a physical point of view maybe it's easy to bat it off regardless of age yeah I think that's a really interesting point um I mean because I, I would describe myself as someone with who's quite a strong person but I would actually say that I have had quite a lot of moments where I um, I'm quite scared of this. You know, I'm, I am very scared of getting COVID because, you know, I think that ultimately I don't know how I'll react to it. Being a key worker, obviously, you know, I'm, I'm going into work every day. Within the prison, we have had cases. Um, I'm now sort of COVID coordinator, so I'm dealing with, with it on a daily basis. And it is really frightening, really frightening. Being morbidly obese doesn't help. It will definitely be interesting to see if Boris brings, from all the comments that he made about people with obesity, it'll be interesting to see if he brings them people forward for the vaccine any earlier. Well, actually, so anyone with a BMI over 40 is actually going to be in the group six, as they call it. So before anyone under 65 gets the vaccine, that's when that group six kicks in. So that's where they will come in. So it's anyone with like a, they're calling it kind of a moderate um, risk person. So it's the same as someone living with diabetes or some of those other kind of conditions. And it's about actually, you know, this is where the complexity part of obesity needs to kick in and people need to understand that you know, someone hasn't just chosen to be like this. There's a reason why. And a lot of it's down to biological factors, psychological factors, all these things that are kind of out of people's control. Um, so they do deserve this vaccine. You know, we're not telling people with diabetes that they're not they're not worthy of it. So why do we think that we can do it about obesity? That's where it's going to be very complex, though, because I think changing people's internalized messaging that they've had for years um, to try and get them to think that they are do deserve this will be, you know, is a big challenge as we all know um so does anyone have any specific kind of examples of where they've had experienced weight stigma that they want to talk about at this precise moment in time i'm working in an it department at work they have they've been really good with me they really have um with everything but uh, and i know they have to do it on an health and safety kind of basis but they have got like heavy duty office chairs in for me uh, also canteen chairs for me. Uh, and the canteen chair does look a little bit like an hospital chair to a certain extent, which I know they have to do things by the book um, because of uh, health and safety and things like that. But it does also make you feel a little bit different. You know what I mean? In a way, there's an element of they're actually trying to be quite nice, but I totally understand why you would feel like you don't want to be different as well and you don't want it to be highlighted. And And it's kind of a case of actually, well, if all companies catered for people living with obesity, it wouldn't be an issue because then they'd be available for any any situation and it wouldn't be one of those things where it feels like it's different. I don't want to feel different when it comes down to sitting on certain seats and, and doing certain things. And But then next minute, I've also got to bear in mind that I'm also telling people at work i've got a mass i've got a bmi that's over a certain point where i have to be really careful with covid so i, I can't go using that excuse one minute and then wanting to be the same as somebody else when it comes down to sitting on a chair do you understand what i mean so work have been really good with me on that front and even now because i've got to self-isolate because i'm due to have the gastric sleeve anytime soon told me just to um, stay off work. 
this is where the equality piece kind of comes in around people living in like different shapes and sizes and and the fact that as a society we're we're not geared up for that we're geared up for everyone to be one size fits all and therefore if you aren't you know aren't out if you're outside that mold then you're made to feel different actually life shouldn't be like that there should be a lot more equality around if all places were set up with differing size chairs and tables etc um like in like in hospitals or doctor surgeries they tend to have a few more variations these days um you just wouldn't feel as different because it's just one of those things i've had that embarrassment of um going into a restaurant with friends and actually couldn't physically fit in the seat and had to leave the restaurant um, because they didn't have um, bigger size seats or seats that didn't have you know sort of um, arm rests or something it's always a challenge, I think, restaurants with booths, you know, like those booths, because they're always um, not very, um, you know, there's not a lot of space. So it's kind of like you're either wedged in so that you can't move um, and really uncomfortable or or you just can't fit in, can't you? It's, um, yeah, it's it, it's um, it's a challenge. And it's one of those things where you don't really know to turn off either unless it's a restaurant that you're used to. So it's kind of, it's just mad that we live in, you know, the world that we do and, and these things are still massive issues when you know two-thirds of the population are are, are you know are, are living with overweight or obesity yet this is the way we live there does need to be more kind of acceptance of the fact that people will be different shapes and sizes and that's just life and it's not a case of we're having to look like an instagram model which is what society would like us all to look like i i've got a simple mantra on this you know there there isn't a wrong or a right about this we are individuals at the end of the day and i, I totally i learned a lot about body positivity um, and some respect for people that feel um, that, you know, this is the way we want to be. And I think that's not a problem. But I, where I would kind of draw the line is when they started to criticise me for making my choices. And I think that's the dif- difficulty I have. I'm not here to criticise anyone. If somebody wants to be, you know, like, like Lizzo of a certain size, immense talent and believe she's sexy and, and all the rest of those wonderful things that she is great um but i would also say is look you know don't be in denial about the fact that as you rightly say there may be some health there may not be but there may be just be mindful of those things please and don't try to actually um you know have a go at someone else so you know i i mean i know i got a lot of stick um because i had you know, mutilated myself, as I was told on more than one occasion, because I'd had surgery. And, uh, you know, some thought it was a vanity project. Um, You know, the fact of the matter is, you know, I saw it as a health issue for myself, for someone that's in his 50s, heading into his 60s. Um, I do believe it's one of the things that's probably helped me, you know, maybe touch wood, sort of get around COVID, which I might not have done had I not actually been in a better position physically. So, so I think, so I do. I do feel strongly about this. And, and like I say, I'm not here to actually say to somebody, don't be body positive. Please be positive about yourself. Love yourself. Respect yourself. But do the right thing for yourself. And if you've got particularly children, and in my case, grandchildren, then think about them too, because, you know, that you've got a lot to be getting on with. I just don't like the idea that people look at me and then make judgments about my health. You know, I'm not I'm not I'm not saying that I advocate body positivity but I'm just saying for me personally I remember when I went to see the anaesthetist um before my operation and he looked at all my test results and uh and he was surprised that I was healthy and 
you know, that just, you know, and he didn't hide his surprise either. And that, that sort of upset me a, a bit and, because I know that people around me also make these judgments. You know, they assume that I've got type 2 diabetes. They assume that I can't physically do my job. You know, I've got a very physical job in healthcare. Unfortunately, it's the kind of world that we live in that, yeah, you know, they think that we've we've got these stereotypes and um you know we've had this messaging told to us that unless you are a certain weight you can't do something and and this kind of i i definitely had experience with this um after the weight loss tv show because obviously as part of that for people that don't know um i completed an olympic distance triathlon and i know that i was challenged when i spoke about that you know, in, in mead things or on different things where um, I actually had people saying, there's no way she completed an Olympic distance triathlon. And I was like, I've actually got footage of someone filming me doing it, if you'd like to watch it. Um, and yes, I was still 17 stone and living with obesity, but I still did it. Um, and it's just people can't seem to let that sink in, that that's a possibility that somebody of that size could possibly do something like that, you know, because in their head, a triathlete is someone who's really lean, you know, fit, healthy or whatever. So, um, and, and that's just purely because of all the things that we get told, you know, um, and I just think the media and society plays such a big part in that kind of narrative that we have in our head. And it's just really sad that with obesity, it's very negative. If there was like one thing that you could um, have to to kind of help you through your life or just a ch- something that you would just wish could be different kind of what would it be for me the realization at um, a much older age that I propos- possibly if I had, had a bit of a chance to reevaluate, would be to have possibly been a little more balanced in terms of my lifestyle some of the choices particularly when it came to being physical and active uh, and and not being as kind of like neglectful of that, possibly in my 30s. Because I know when I was at college, I was physically active and it balanced things out quite well. But when I got into the world of kind of like jobs and commerce and I stopped, it was all about the money and the commutes and everything else. And the I want time to myself when I'm not doing anything and lazing around. And, and therefore, I lost all any of the good habits I had. And that really is where I can see right now the tipping point where it moved me from being one type of person to another type of person who then actually became um, severely obese because it just snowballed. Um, so if I had my time again, um, and it, it's right now, it's what's kept me in check, you know, to have actually lost uh, about 10 and a half stone and probably kept nine and a half plus of that off uh, over six years, which no diet ever allowed me to do. Um, and to be totally med free, which is probably the most important part of my life, um, is because I have, a, you know, a more active lifestyle now. So I think that would be the, the big change, that realisation that, you know, putting in a bit to start with might help long term. Yeah. And that that's a yeah, that's a great thing. I think for me, um, just while other people are still thinking, I think for me, I would have liked to have grown up in a world where I understood that people have different body shapes and sizes. And it doesn't mean that they're they're not okay. And it doesn't mean that society should treat them differently, you know, um, because that for me was like one of the biggest points was I went to an all girls school and because I developed early, so kind of primary school age, um, I started getting boobs and hips. Um, and because my friends didn't, I hated them and, and was like, why is this happening to me? And I just want to look really thin like them. And had I 
you know been brought up kind of in an because I think it needs teaching at school you know like we hear about we or we get taught that people have different eye colors and different hair colors and they'll be different some people will be tall some people will be short and so why can't we just talk about the fact that some people might have small bodies some people might might have medium-sized bodies some people might have big bodies and it doesn't mean that there's anything wrong with them it just means that that's the way that they're made and they're just still people and we're all allowed to live like that and I think just a simple change in messaging like that would have made me feel very differently about myself and therefore not then thrown myself on every single diet going um, and started that yo-yo dieting cycle. I think that I wish when, when I was younger I wish there was a bit more education food and when I was when I was growing up I kind of like was brought up in it my mum and dad split up when I was about six or seven uh, and my mum was working two jobs um kind of pay the bills kind of thing so she was working days and then afternoons not getting in till sometimes late at night so as we were growing up we were kind of cooking our own food but it was always something nice and quick and easy so I think I wish there was a bit more education around that um, and I think that that has kind of like given me this kind of association with food now, the way I think about food and how I deal with my emotions, whether it be um, happy, sad, stressed. Uh, my, my comfort is always food. I wish it wasn't. And it's something that um, I'm still trying to deal with now on a daily basis. Um, just try, I, would, I just wish that food wasn't my best friend i wish it wasn't my best friend i wish something else was um kind of like my main go-to you know what i mean but also you can you can you know you can walk down the street within with with you know a gambling issue or an alcohol issue or a cigarette issue and nobody would necessarily know but we're walking around with our issues you know there to see for everybody to see and you know i think you know, from my point of view, I wonder if if I had never started in the diet culture, you know, from, from such an early, or from, at all, you know, would I be where I am now, this yo-yo dieting cycle? And the other thing that I'd like to change is, is how, if I could go back in time and be a bit kinder to myself and my sort of narrative in my mind, you know, how I treat myself, you know, it's, you, you can't change society, but you, you can, well, maybe you can't, but definitely ha- how we talk to ourselves, how we treat ourselves, um, you know, shows in, in what we put in our bodies. I think to be more positive about myself would, would help to be, you know, healthier on the outside, want to go running and want to be seen in public and, you know, live life more. I was just going to say peer pressure, you know, from an early age um, when we used to have meals and sat at a table, um, you know, fish and chips or something. My, my stepfather would look at me like, are you really going to eat that? Do you really want that? You know, and so from a very early age, my relationship with food has been a really bad one. And I don't think that's all just from me. That's from other people as well. What advice would we give 
to people, do you think? Like Natalie has already said, you know, I think we need to be kinder to ourselves. Absolutely. I think we need to stop blaming ourselves um, and understand that actually there's a there's a lot of elements of why we're living with obesity that are out of our control um, and give ourselves a bit more of a break around that. Because I think for me, the light bulb moment when I understood that actually having I, my genetics play a part in this, the, the world that we live in plays a part in this and all those other bits and pieces that that add to why someone lives with obesity, you know, it, that kind of made me go, okay, so, you know, why I'm, when I lose weight and put it back on again, it's not just my fault that it's going back on, you know, this is actually because I'm living with a chronic condition. And I think if we can kind of get that messaging out to more and more people to kind of take away that blame and that kind of feeling like a failure and all those negative things we feel. And actually we see it as, right, this is something I live with. So how am I going to manage it? And how am I going to be healthy? And how am I going to kind of just, you know, do whatever, but it's kind of just by reframing it it kind of makes you feel a bit more at peace with yourself. Yeah. I, so, I mean, I would obviously echo your wise words there, Sarah, about, you know, being kind to yourself, but I, I and, 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 you know, self to self love. But the other thing I would also say is, you know, remember, you know, you are custodian of yourself. You are the person, you know, you cannot abdicate responsibility for looking after your own well-being to someone else. So, you know, be kind to yourself, but also decide what it is that you want and how what might work for you now and and don't feel pressured by other people um think about this because you know there is stigma attached to being kind of like of a certain size and weight by other people but there's also we then start to put pressure on ourselves about the things that we do to try to change our lives so for example i know at the the start here it was said to me some people maybe don't tell other people that they've had surgery or they've made change to their life. Now, I outed myself, for want of better phraseology, about my surgery pretty much from day one um, and, you know, created websites to help other people, particularly men, because men, we're just rubbish at talking about this stuff. Um, I know other people don't, and, and I've met over 100 or talked to over 100 people in the last six years, and many who had surgery and never told anyone Um because they feel either ashamed or it was a cop out. It's not. It's it's tough. It's hard work. It's you know. It's a little bit like you know. If you you know you wouldn't feel ashamed if you had a, a heart transplant or a liver transplant. So don't feel ashamed about the fact that you've maybe had surgery, but it's helped lead you to a better life. Um, you know, if you're at peace with it yourself, then it, that's all that should matter. You shouldn't worry about what other people think. So all I'd say is again, you know, do the right thing for you. Absolutely. And I agree with that. And I would say other people, um, what other, listen to what other people thought held me back from having the surgery years ago. I wanted it many, many, many years ago, but uh, my family were against it. My husband was against it. My friends was like, oh no, it's, um, that's the easy way. And, 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 you know, if I was to give advice to anyone, if, if, if it's what you want to do, do it. Obviously, think about it first because, you know, there's a lot of, of different things that I've had to also um, tackle, you know, my behaviour, my psychological issues. It's not just a quick fix, you know, but but definitely don't let other people hold you back. For, for, I can only talk about myself, but I'm sure there's other people. From the programme, I had lots of messages from people who were like, oh, my God, you know, I, I hear you so much, Babs. Um, and it was Literally, for many, many years, I've sort of felt unworthy, you know, unworthy not to go and um, get surgery, to go and get help, 
because I felt like I'd done this to myself. Um, and it's only since the programme, coming away from that, I've had a really lovely therapist um, go to see her at Harley Street. And she's really, really helped me with what I now know is low self-esteem and lack of confidence. And I always thought I was quite a confident person, but in fact, I really am not. Um, and feeling a failure. And she's, we've not talked about weight. We've not talked about um, eating disorders or anything like that. We've just concentrated on low self-esteem and my lack of confidence. And it, it has really, really helped so much so that it's almost like a cloud has lifted and I can sort of almost think clearly now, whereas I couldn't before. Um, and so I've been able to get help with the eating disorder and I'm now considering uh, weight loss surgery, which is something that I would never, ever have dreamt of before. So I think, you know, there's, there's a lot we've got to be thinking about as far as mental health goes as well. I would, I would like for people to know that they're not on their own. There's, there's people suffering day in, day out, and people should get in contact with people with the same kind of issues and, and, and try and relate to people to know that there's other people out there that are suffering the same as what they are. Don't go, don't go thinking negative about what's happened in the past. You've started all these different diets and you've failed. Don't go thinking that you've failed. Put, put a full stop to it and then take every day as it comes and just try and keep working and working as hard as you can at, uh, uh, life kind of thing so uh, and it, this isn't a, a blatant advertisement for surgery but it looks like surgery is something that some people are considering or having etc um uh, all, all all i would say is you know obviously it's important you do your research it's it's not a quick fix it's not uh just a simple tool but it's a very powerful tool and it can work and help if anybody ever wants to reach out and talk, uh, because I know people at different stages, it, it's tough, but it gets, it goes, it's tough, it gets tougher, then it starts to get easier and you start to see some results. But if ever anybody needed to talk to somebody, I'd, I'd always be delighted to sort of relay my experiences and see if I could help however I could to whoever. Thank you for that. And and yeah, and I suppose just to remind everyone that, um, you know, Obesity UK have their online support groups um, through Facebook. So people can obviously find some peer-to-peer -peer support there um, where people obviously have their experiences at different phases through the obesity kind of cycle. Um, and, you know, you can get some support there. Thank you everyone you know this has been a really great conversation and i think we've you know covered off lots of different kind of scenarios and topics and and, and it's just been really really great talking to you all so thank you so much for for being my guests it was a real pleasure to hear your stories and your wisdom around living with obesity and thanks to you for listening to the first episode of the reality of obesity podcast with me sarah lebron please subscribe rate the podcast and give it a five-star review it really helps people to find us and keep listening every Thursday morning for a new episode of the Reality of Obesity podcast.